This is the Sharp on the Point podcast. Brian Peller and Chris Tindall. It's episode seven, week six of the college football season. In case you're new, we're kind of adding a lot of new listeners each week, or at least we think we are. <laughs> we're a college football game and DFS picks podcast. I provide the AATS picks poorly last week, I might add. Uh, Chris, you provide the DFS selections, and uh, you've been on a heater to start the year. I felt like everyone I talked to had some people over on Sunday. I was like, I'm telling you, man, you got to start listening to this thing. He's on a roll. It's giving away money. We've been hot to start the year. Uh, I think there is no other way to put it than if you take a zero in your quarterback spot during a slate and you still cash, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, I I mean, there's just like a level of heater that you're on right now that I just couldn't understand not taking. Maybe maybe the extra pressure of the podcast has you on it, but uh, it's it's working. I can't complain, so I'm not trying to ask. I'm not going to ask why. I told you before the year started that I felt like by doing this show, I would put a little bit, it would bump my game up a little bit more. And I'd feel like I needed to be more concise with my plays rather than kind of casting a wide net. And we've played a small player pool for me comparatively to previous years. And it's really paying off. Yeah. So if you're new to DFS and that, that doesn't all make sense to you, I feel like this podcast will help you get to the end of it and help you really understand it. So if you're interested in trying to dip your toe into it, because it's all it's currently allowed here in the state of Florida where I'm at, uh, you know, welcome. If you're elsewhere and where it is allowed also, welcome. And if you're in those states, go for it. Give it a try. We're rolling. Uh, I know I'm not. But if you want to follow along with the podcast, we do have an article on TomahawkNation.com. You can kind of use that as like a quick reference. There's a little bit of blurbs on kind of each game. My thoughts, Chris's thoughts kind of give you that. We do appreciate appreciate you all giving us a listen. As always, if you are betting or playing the picks, do so responsibly. Follow our picks at your own risk. Um, if you needed any evidence, we'll get to my picks from last week, and that should explain why you follow it at your own risk. Uh, we usually start with a what, what's right, what went wrong last week, uh, but instead of going straight to what blew up in my face, I do want to talk about some news today. Uh, Tez Walker, cleared by the NCAA uh, at UNC, the wide receiver. He's um, figured to be their lead receiver going into the year, was ruled ineligible for, what is this, the first six weeks of the season, and... They claim they received new evidence to let him go and, and let him start playing. So I guess in the picture of the ACC, the picture of them as a team to bet on, bet against, and Tez as a DFS player, what kind of player is he? So he transferred from Kent State, where he played with Colin Schley, who's now the, one of the quarterbacks at uh, UCLA. But he's a talented kid, very, very good outside wide receiver. Now, that system catered to the slot wide receivers as we could see like Kobe Pesor started the year out with a lot of receptions early on and as Josh Downs similar last year ate all the production and outside guys tend to get a little bit less work but this is a difference maker for this roster on providing a little bit more depth Nate McCollum uh, the Georgia Tech transfer started getting a ton of targets when he went to the slot and Pesor moved outside Tez Walker is going to be a game breaker on the outside he's 6'3 so they get a definitely a big body out there. And the kid last year had almost a thousand yards and 11 touchdowns playing for Kent State. Now numbers turn, during action are going to be down a little bit because the weather's terrible up there. But I'm really happy that that he got waive, his waiver and I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I, I felt like it's a must watch television at this point. Yeah. And it's interesting because I don't I don't want to say Drake May's been bad i don't think he's been bad but i don't think he's lived up to um at least lighting the stat sheet like we're kind of expecting coming into the year 
Um, I think he might only have like five touchdowns. I'm trying to pull up the number right now as I'm talking. And of course, naturally, the way I pulled it up came in stupid. So yeah, they're they're running the ball actually better than anticipated. Omarion Hampton is was a heavily recruited running back, and he's starting to produce like the recruit that he was, and that's allowed them to score a lot of touchdowns with him. So it's not it's kind of taken away from May. May hasn't had to put the team on his back as much, which is probably better for them. But I do think you know he's you know, 300 yards behind a lot of these other guys. I think adding a weapon like that may go a very long way to um, really expanding this offense and making them a legit ACC contender. Um, I didn't feel like they were really out of it to begin with, but I think if you add that top end receiver in any real offense in college football, that, that certainly goes a long way. They're definitely a much more dangerous team with him on the field, and it's all going to come down to how their defense performs, but I think the offense will get markedly better at this point. Yeah, and and if he is um, in there and plays, he's been practicing with the team, you know, even if this maybe isn't the week he gets a huge workload, um, it's pretty good to have a guy like that insert in your lineup next week when you're playing against Miami and what is, uh, I would imagine, a shootout. So uh, a, a good time for them to get him back and maybe the chance to work him in this week and kind of go from there. Um, we'll see if you end up being, he being someone you maybe are interested in later. Yeah, I, I think we'll have some interest. Okay. Uh, before we get there, let's talk about last week and, and the good and the bad. You were the good, so I'll let you go first. Yeah, uh, Caleb Williams did uh, exactly what we expect against a bad Colorado defense. Uh, he did take his foot off the gas pedal, it seemed. He was spreading the ball out. <laughs> Every wide receiver seemed like he was the Oprah Winfrey of touchdowns last week, you know, giving him all around. Uh, Altmeyer looked like he was going to be really good. He had that 37-yard carry on the first drive of the game. I think I might have, as as we would say in the golf world, I early, I early walked on that one. Um and and I sent you a text immediately and said, Altmeyer, 37 yards right out the gate. We're looking good for 130. And uh and it kind of <laughs> slowed down from there. But he was he was fine because of the price tag. Uh Genty, we were very excited to see him play. That game shot out, and both running backs were playing tennis back and forth, which was awesome. Uh he had 135 all-purpose yards and four touchdowns. That was lovely to see. And uh, Edwards from Georgia got his two touchdowns. He, I think he only had 70 yards, but not didn't get the 100-yard bonus. So a little disappointed in that, but he got almost 20 points. So it was, it was more than 3X, so can't complain there. The hit of the week by far was Tyler Easily. Brown. Yeah, I mean, that one felt good. <laughs> the stats provider tried to give us a little, little okey-doke there because they weren't putting stats in for him for about the first three quarters. And I was like, it's coming because I had to double check. I checked the game logs on the player page and on like a different website to make sure that they matched. And they did. And I was like, okay. And he had nine for 153. And I think he was 8% owned in, in my contest. So I was like, oh boy, this is great value saving here because he put up a monster number for, for his point per dollar. And yeah, to take you, you behind the curtain, I was uh, I was late getting up Saturday morning because I was up playing 2K until like four in the morning. But um, I got up and, and I texted you, I think, during the first quarter and was like, the hell's with this Tyler Brown goose egg? And you were like, he's got like four for 70, like chill. It's all good. I'm like, well, I'm seeing zeros. And you're like, no, no, stats are wrong. You're good. Deep breath, deep breath. Yeah, yeah, we had to talk you off the ledge there. Um, <laughs> that that was all to come crashing down. Jatavion Sanders, he got hurt yeah. in the first quarter of that game and was on the sideline in street clothes come halftime. 
Uh, so, but he's supposed to play this week. Joy, thanks. A week late, but no big deal. Um, Brown made up for it, so it'll be good. And and this week we'll try to hit on. I like to try to hit at least five out of six. That's usually my goal every week. Yeah, and you've been doing it. I think if you do five out of six and the miss is especially a guy as cheap as Sanders, that's plenty fine, especially when you're providing guys like Tyler Brown who are also cheap who hit. You know, and you're kind of hitting across the board. Obviously, last week you had to pay a lot for Caleb. So you kind of needed the cheaper guys. And that's kind of the risk you take with cheaper guys. Obviously, injury is not normally part of it. But, you know, a, a low number, a zero, is is always on the table with one of those lower guys because it's normally guys who don't have those opportunities. Well, you can get uh, a zero from a quarterback who's uh, 7K when he has back spasms. And instead of uh, paying attention the last 10 minutes before the game's locked, you're out putting air in your wife's tires because you wanted to be nice. Yeah, let's talk about that one. And that, that'll lead right into my picks. Uh, that was one of the ones I missed last week. To, uh, one of the eight I missed last week in the 10 games that I gave you. Uh, tough week. Gave up <laughs> seven and three the week before and gave it all right back plus one. Uh, the late scratch of Jalen Daniels there really nuked any chance Kansas had. I wasn't overly impressive with Texas in this one. I do feel like if Daniels is po- had played and was healthy and, and at his full Daniels they they probably have a pretty decent chance of covering they weren't really blown out but they certainly didn't feel like they ever really had a chance in that game uh, which sucks because like you said it was like 10 minutes before the game starts and they're like yeah Jalen's out sorry guys back spasms and it's like great well that's that's can't really recover now um elsewhere just run through them pretty quickly because they were miserable and I just want to give the two cents on what kind of happened there uh Georgia never really came close to covering either either that offense is a disaster um they gave auburn 14 points because they turned the ball over and and couldn't move the ball themselves in the first half those slow starts kind of uh really catching up we'll double back to them in a second michigan rolled this to a win over nebraska yay uh washington was pretty boring against arizona didn't really show the same explosive offense on the road i don't know if they just seemed like let's just get in here and get out with a win or uh maybe the road is something to watch with them I don't know. We'll keep an yeah, eye on that. That was a weird one. Forward. That was just a weird game. It it started out and Penix kind of didn't even throw the ball early. It was a lot of Dylan Johnson early. Weird, like let's just get let's just get in and get out of here kind of thing. I don't know. Interesting. Uh USC, you already mentioned them. They they were up by so much at halftime, they decided they just didn't even have to try in the second half and, and let Colorado come back and take that cover away from us because they were up by a billion. Uh Clemson seems to be figuring things out better than I thought. I kind of expected last week to be a, well, we don't really have a chance to win anything this season. We've got two conference losses already, and um, they didn't. Impressed to see them not actually quit. LSU's defense did quit. Uh, they could probably be the worst power five defense in the country. I, I I have a hard time imagining anything much worse. They were lined up two feet off the, two yards off the ball on the D-line. The linebackers are never looking at the line of scrimmage during the snap, and the DBs can't tackle or track anyone who crosses the middle of the field so uh 700 yards of offense for Ole Miss later and it looked very easy I didn't feel like Ole Miss did anything where I was like man look at that Jackson dart go it was just as easy as it could have been one note on that though is Judkins looked healthy he did look a I, lot healthier you told me late last week good. he seemed healthier yeah I moved to some Judkins late last week um uh, on FanDuel because he was cheap but yeah, he looked a lot healthier. Now, granted, I mean, how healthy does he? He had burst, but the missed yeah, it looked a lot more burst. Yeah, the, yeah. the missed tackles. He was just, I mean, LSU just had defenders just falling off of play people. It was, it was pathetic. We'll talk more about them in a second. Anyway, 
Uh, Duke failed us in the last minute against Notre Dame. Thought we had that one, and um, they didn't. Kind of disappointed in Notre Dame. We'll get to them in a second. But it also appears Duke uh, seems to be in big trouble without Riley Leonard here. He's got some form of ankle injury. They're saying maybe not as serious as they thought, but um, regardless, they, to, keep, to keep chasing this ACC race, it seems like you don't want him out for a couple weeks, and they've got L- uh, FSU coming up here in a bit. Uh, Alabama blasted Mississippi State. Again, Alabama seems to be figuring some things out. Um, that uh, the Milrow change back seems to have given them at least a little bit in the defense, forcing some turnovers. Maybe Mississippi State just sucks, but uh, they seemed uh, at least it looked a little bit more like what I'd expect out of Alabama last week, being able to run the ball and uh, play some defense. But now it's October time when I'm calling, you know, the are you for real month, figuring out who's the real teams and who's not. We've had some teams flash. We've got some surprise undefeated. So um, we've got a big week. I think I have nine games written down for us here. The first one, a perfect example of that, number 12, Oklahoma, plus six and a half versus Texas. Of course, that's the uh, Red River shootout. Um, <clears throat> the lines here are all from DraftKings, by the way. I should probably mention that. But I am going to go with Oklahoma here. I still have not been overly impressed with Texas. Everyone seems to have anointed them as the best team in the country. Um, I... I I understand they won at Alabama, which is something that we have yet to see anyone really do in a in a way that was maybe that quite of impressive. But I don't believe Alabama is quite that good. And I don't believe that really anyone is that good. I like the way Venables has the defense playing. And I don't think Dylan Gabriel is incapable of going shot for shot with a Quinn Ewers in this game to at least keep it within a touchdown or, or in that same round. Consensus from the people I've talked to, they they all initially early in the week said, oh, well, Texas, I, I mean, they're going to blow them out. I was like, what? That's weird. You know, like that not weird. just because it's Red River, but I feel like everybody's seen Texas play on TV. Not everybody's yeah. watched Oklahoma necessarily, and everybody has a a feeling from years past of what they are going to see out of Oklahoma. And this is a kind of a different Oklahoma team. Yeah. You know, they, they've, they're almost like a poor man's Georgia where they've played really good defense. They've played some decent competition, nobody crazy, but they've just taken care of business. They haven't like they're, they're a poor man's Georgia from years past on in saying that on offense, you never know who's going to score against you. The only constant is Gabriel's playing really good football and he's, he's taking care of business, but they're running backs. There's like a five way committee that who knows who's going to put it in the end zone any given week. And the wide receivers, they've got four, I think they have four of them that uh, are rotating in and out with um, Captain Nepotism Stoops over there. At <laughs> so I mean, I, I really think this is an interesting game. Would I lean Texas? Yes. Do I think Texas should win the game? Yes. Do I think Texas is more talented? Yes. I think Oklahoma's interesting though. They're, they're not the pushover in the guarantee that you would think. And they should be able to move the football and they've looked very good this year. Yeah. I kind of was hoping this would be seven and a half instead of six and a half. Um, Obvious for, for obvious reasons. Um, But I mean, they've played great defense all year. I mean, you kind of mentioned it SMU. They held them to 11. Uh, I wouldn't say Tulsa was amazing, but that was a 66 17 game. They played at Cincinnati and held them to six. 
uh, Iowa State 20, I mean, but they put up 50. So it seems like in games that they score, they're, you know, capable of giving up a few more points, but they're certainly doing a great job of locking down teams when it feels like it is close. It just seems like they're, so far they've played the game, they've had to to win the game in front of them, which, you know, can't really argue with that. And that, that's certainly a recipe to, you know, win games. That, that And I think in the Red River shootout, that's typically close. I like them to to do that and keep this one as close as well. I like the six and a half. Yeah, and one thing that's interesting I, I was hearing about was um, Xavier Worthy. You know, I love to play Xavier Worthy. I always have for a few years now. But interestingly, somebody brought up the point that uh, Adonai Mitchell, the transfer from Georgia, actually is very close, much closer than you'd think on a surface level uh, to the numbers that Worthy uh, has as well. So he's an interesting target. This this game has shootout potential. I think you'll see like Jaleel Farouk, this is a kind of game where he'll step up for Oklahoma and, and he'll need to play that Marvin Mims over the top role that we've seen in years past where Mims was terrible going into the game and he pops off for 200 yards and two touchdowns. I think it's, I think Oklahoma definitely has the potential to win in either way. And I, I just think this is a fun one. Obviously, the atmosphere will be great, too. Um, uh, before I go into this next game, it's it's number 23, LSU, minus 6.5 at number 21, Missouri. Uh, I do want to take a second and mention uh, LSU cornerback, uh, safety and captain Greg Brooks. I uh, recently diagnosed with a rare form of brain cancer. I'm going to try to pronounce it medulloblastoma. Um, he had, uh, played in the first two games of the year, including the FSU opener. I know most of you are Florida state fans that listen to this. Um, you know, he, he had some headaches and that led to discovery of a brain tumor. They were able to remove that, but, uh, you know, obviously the diagnosis of a rare form of brain cancer is never great. Uh, they said it was, they don't, they don't see signs of spreading there, but LSU has put together a, a victory fund for him to kind of help pay for his his fight here through cancer as he's recovering. They're talking about months-long fights and, um, you know, some some struggles he's going through. And um, if you have it, it's it's linked in this article. Again, that's on TomahawkNation.com. It's uh, College Football Week 6 Picks, DFS Plays, and Podcasts. So uh, if you're listening on the page, it's here. If you're listening, we'll go find the article, and it's on there, the link to where you uh, can donate and kind of help that cause along as, as, as he's kind of fighting there. Um, obviously his absence as the captain and a safety on this defense is a large portion of probably why LSU's defense is struggling so much. They, uh, they clearly have no communication on the back end of this defense. The the secondary is, I mean, I mentioned earlier, Ole Miss was just running crossers anytime they were throwing the ball. And one of the two guys was open 15 yards down the field every single time. There's really no communication between the secondaries and in the secondary, the safeties of corners, the linebackers simply can't tackle. Um, I was surprised to see LSU favored by six and a half. It, it kind of hit me in the face like a trap. Um, I, I, I personally, I've, I've talked about it a thousand times. I went to LSU. I grew up an LSU fan. I'm not going to pick against them because that seems boring, but I, I feel crazy to not take, to, to, to look at six and a half and feel like I'm being tricked. I feel like I'm being tricked. I feel like Missouri should be maybe three and a half getting three and a half. I don't know. Six and a half feels maybe bigger than I expected. It does feel like it. Now, there is a lot of respect for Ole Miss for good reason, even though we're not Jackson Dart people. Uh, Missouri has played 
okay this year. I would say that performance against Kansas State was probably better than I anticipated. And their quarterback has thrown the ball well. They have very good offensive weapon. We'll end up talking more about. But, you know, it's every week with LSU. It all comes down to how does Jaden Daniels play. If Jaden Daniels plays well, they're going to win the game. And they might win by a lot. Because they can score, and they can score a lot of points. But, I mean, I haven't haven't watched enough LSU lately. I'm wondering (laughs) if Harold Perkins is – going to start playing more rush role again so or they used they... him more in a rush role last week and, and the problem with it was they like i mentioned before their defensive line is consistently lining up at least a yard off the ball yeah so like they're giving up on a pass rush easily a second in getting to the quarterback by having close a yard and on run plays, they're immediately giving up two yards just from the snap and the step from the offensive line. Um, maybe, that's, maybe that's why they had to bring Pete Johnson back because uh, Pete he, Jenkins, he, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's like eighty-six he, years old. Yeah, and he, but he knows how to line up right on that ball. You know, that's I mean, his. Look, that's his game. If you unretire a defensive line coach for the fourth time at eighty-two or eighty-four years old, you have defensive problems. Um, personally. Like you said, I'm going to go with LSU here. They scored on seven of nine drives. One of the stops was a missed field goal at halftime when they got the ball with 20 seconds and still got into field goal range and just missed it short. Like, they could have gone eight of nine drives putting up touchdowns last week, if not for halftime, and they still lost. I don't think Missouri is Ole Miss level of scoring. I feel like they can probably stop themselves a little better. Um, It's just like you said, is Jaden Daniels on one? I would like to think so. Seems like he's on a heater again. It's two straight games of just like, there he goes. I guess we'll I, see. I'd be surprised if he wasn't. Uh, yeah. I know Will Will Howard had a nice game against uh, against them. So that'll that'll be kind of like, he's kind of a poor man's uh, Jaden Daniels in that sense. Um, so he'll be important. And that, that's kind of what I'm looking at is that because I know that game shot out a little bit. So, yeah, so he had 270 and three with uh, another 21 rushing, but I know he hurt his ankle in the middle of that game. So his rushing upside typically is closer to the 64 he had the week later. And so that's, that's where I think Daniels has a little bit more explosiveness and (laughs) those two wide receivers are so good. Well, and I think I did see uh, earlier this week and we'll move on right to this, but the, the, the two biggest discrepancies in uh, either offensive efficiency versus defensive efficiency, or if it's offensive success rating versus defensive success rating um, was the LSU passing defense against Missouri is like number 13 pass offense and the LSU pass offense against Missouri's like number 120 pass defense. So um, there's a lot of yards to be had here that I'm sure. And I've seen your notes. We're going to talk about it later. Uh, next Maryland plus 19 and a half at Ohio state. I have said a few times already. I have not been impressed with Ohio state in any of the games I have watched. I thought they definitely should have lost to Notre Dame. If Notre Dame hadn't kind of gotten in its own way a few times and trying to score, um, obviously the final play being what it is, it just felt like McCord saved himself with one drive at the end there. And I don't think one drive is enough to do this though. Maryland seems like the team that's always undefeated early. 
they do have baby Tua, which feels offensive to maybe call him that, but um, you know, baby Tua feels like what you call your little brother who's who's in, in the league. I like Maryland plus 19 and a half to at least keep it close. Um, just because I don't think Ohio State is an offense that can sprint away from anyone, and I, and I like three touchdowns. I don't think it's the offense that would let you down here because I don't trust McCord at all. I think it's going to all have to either Harrison's going to have to break a big play, but we know he was nicked up after the Notre Dame game and Travion Henderson has looked much better. So I think they can put up enough points so they could put up 21. It's going to come down to that Ohio state defense. And if they can score, uh, Talia has been prone to a pick six here and there. And if he holds on to the ball and gets sacked, you can get a sack fumble touchdown. So those are the kind of the concerns there that you could see. But I would lean towards the most optimal is Maryland plus the points. Yeah, and I, I was surprised to see this one so big. I kind of expected this one around 14. I, I saw it up at 19, which made me think, huh, Maybe it should be 21 and got walked down. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, obviously they don't, they're not doing that, but you know what I mean? Like, as I'm mathing it in my head, I was like, I feel like maybe 14 is the right number here. Speaking of numbers, I think are right. I saw Washington state UCLA on the slate. I put it in my notes and I went to go look up the spread. And I do this every time when I go, you know, that's my order of looking at things and I go find the spread and I look at it and I was, I was scrolling for it. I said, man, this really feels like it should be UCLA, like minus three. But with Washington State ranked, I feel like it's probably going to be like Washington State minus three, and I will gladly take those three points in UCLA. And then it came up, and I saw UCLA minus three, and I went, damn. And you know what? In my head, I just went, that means I'm right. That yeah. just means I'm right to me. And, and I'm like, that just tells me to take UCLA. Uh, their one bad showing was that at Utah game where they were truly horrible. Um, Washington State's look great at home in their two big games. Now they're on the road. UCLA is at home and not at Utah with their freshman quarterback. I, I, I like UCLA and it was weird. I mean, it was just one of those like, okay, if that's what my gut says and, you know, the odds makers at DraftKings see the exact same, I'm going with it. I still am trying to figure out, and that was the first thing that I looked at on the slate when it, when it came up was, oh, UCLA, Washington State. That's interesting. I expected it to be probably like 56 total and Washington state favored by four and a half if I was to guess. Like if you would have said, Hey, it's a 56 total four and a half. I expected like a mid to low twenties projection on UCLA. Their team totals 31 and a half. I was thinking to myself, how in the world are they scoring 31 and a half? Like who's getting these four touchdowns? I'm trying to figure <laughs> it out because I need to find a way to get them there and somebody's got to score them. So I got to figure this out. And I, I'm still struggling with it. Like I, I love Sturdivant, the wide receiver. Uh, I like Not the steel. running backs, and, and like you know, they're both very good. You know, both running backs. I'm worried. Uh, Harden. I played a little Harden early in the year, but I, I think Steele is kind of the the more the guy. And more, more looked awful at Rice Eccles. Like just awful. Yeah, he, he but, sure did. And traditionally, a Chip Kelly quarterback is a rushing quarterback. So I, maybe I'm putting something on him where I'm like, oh, he's Brett Hundley 2.0. We had negative 51 yards rushing in that game. Like, he, there's yeah. no way. Like, how? I don't know how I'm supposed to buy into a guy that I don't, I don't know if he can run for positive yardage. Yeah, I mean, that's all fair. Um, so you are saying you're on, you're actually on Washington State's side in this one. Cameron Ward's playing so good. 
He is playing so well. I've, I've been, so good. I've been think I've been ranking him as one of my top five quarterbacks of the season so far. And like I said, I was like, you know what? I'd love to take three points at UCLA. And then I was like, but I feel like it should be UCLA minus three. And then I saw it and I was like, oh damn, they're on the same step as me. I got to just go with them. If, if this game was at Wazoo, I'd feel really good about Wazoo. Really so, great. Somebody knows something that I don't, and that's how that's UCLA's it. favored. So I feel like you got to go UCLA here because it's like it's so absurd that you're like I'm nuts if I don't like if I go against it. All the public's bound to be hammering Washington State. That's exactly how I feel. Um, the next one is number five, Florida State hosting Virginia Tech. They're plus, uh, Virginia Tech's plus 24 and a half. Um, I've been talking about Florida State a lot this week, obviously, a post Seminole rap podcast right here on the same network you found this. Um, we talked in depth about what we want to see for Florida State coming out of the bye, what we think they need to be doing, figuring out the run game. Uh, when it looked like they were going to get healthier on the offensive line, they, they appear to maybe have had an injury to bless Harris this week on the O line. So, Maybe not as healthy. Um, what can you tell me about Virginia Tech? Because my understanding so far this year is not great. And then I look at the record and I go, well, but the number here is the same as when Florida State played Southern Miss. It's the same as when they played Boston College. Um, obviously, Boston College surprised them, but Southern Miss was obliterated. That was a that was backups in at halftime, starters in sweats coming out of the locker room. I, I despise Virginia Tech with all of my being. My cousin <laughs> played there, and it might have been the most disappointing day in my life when he committed to play at Virginia Tech. Uh, I I cannot <laughs> stand them. Um, their arrival, they've avoided us. We are one to zero in the past twenty years against them, and I, I they're awful. Uh, they're going to fire. They're they're bound to fire the coach. Drones, uh, the quarterback. He looks like he's going to get the start again. Grant Wells probably still out. And all you needed to see was Marshall, who is a as one-dimensional of a team as it gets. They are the Rasheen Ali show. They dominated the line of scrimmage against Virginia Tech. So if Florida State can't run the ball in this game, that was one of the first things I wanted to see was what is, what is Benson's price? Because I thought, okay, this is the get-right spot of all get-right spots. If they cannot run the ball in this game, there's some concern. There's Probably a lot of concern. Buy, yeah. Yeah, a there's a lot to take of two weeks to sit there and say, what's wrong with our run game? Let's figure it out. Because they can they can get it any way they want. But in this is a scenario where I think I would try to take the pressure off of Travis and just hand it to Benson and say, all right, let's see what we got on the on the ground right here. Because even then, if they let him hang around for a half, it won't matter. Virginia Tech's not scoring that much. Um, Drones is similar to Castellanos, just an awful passer. He's just an athlete back there. Uh, by Shaw Tootin is the running back. Uh, he was a transfer from North Carolina A&T, maybe. It's a, it was an FCS school, uh, but he was a highly productive player. And But their best wide receiver was a transfer from Old Dominion. He's out. He's a stud. But that's it. Like, they're not a very good team at all. Yeah, and I think I wrote the preseason preview for this game for Florida State. I, it, it, like you said, it's a get-right spot for them coming off a bye – I fully expect this to be the launching pad into their next. Uh, it, like I mentioned, if Riley Leonard's out, this this next month for Florida State is wide open. It, it's Virginia Tech. It's Wake Forest. It's possibly Duke without their quarterback. It's Syracuse. I mean, this this month is is right there for them. And th- this feels like a spot where you come out and you can just smash it and get rolling. You've gone through the hard part of your schedule. You took a bye. 
you get the chance to resettle everything and say, what do we need to fix? Take a week, figure it out, practice it, come out and do it. Um, it just feels like a get right spot for them. We, uh, I saw your face earlier when I said this. I said it seems like Alabama has certainly figured things out with going back to Milrow because they looked a little bit more like themselves last week. They head to Texas A&M this week, and two things surprise me here. One, Alabama is favored. Surprising. And Texas A&M is not ranked. Surprising. Um, I think Texas A&M is pretty good. And I think if they have Wiegman, I like them to win this game. But my personal feeling is that Max Johnson can and will always find a way to turn the ball over. And I just, I feel like he's going to do it at the worst possible time and cost them the game. But you are chomping at the bit to take this microphone and say something. So I will go ahead and go on mute and let you do so. Well, first off, I was staunchly on Alabama to smoke Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State is the worst team in the SEC. <laughs> they're awful. They have name value, but they're awful. They well, the the switch off of Brian, um, Mike Leach to to whatever they're trying to do yeah. now it's, it's bad. It's a disaster. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. It's a terrible yeah. decision to do that mid off season with all the players trying to run an air raid. Now all of a sudden we're going to line up and well, anyway, go ahead. They're off. The, the Cowbells were not out in full force. But they weren't impressive in that game. They still haven't thrown the ball at all. Like A&M, A&M was very good. On, it has been very good defending the run so far this year. I know they looked awful against Miami defending the pass. Awful. I mean, Van Dyke destroyed them. Milrow can't do that. So, Max Johnson for all his faults, and there's a reason why he's not at LSU anymore, and it's not NIL money. It's because he, he turned around and threw the ball while facing the wrong direction. Somebody else did that recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that okay. was well, the show. Watson Watson. But, he, but he threw it forward while facing backwards, or he threw it backward while facing backward. Max threw it blindly behind his head in the middle of the field to just no one, like underhand behind the back like you would if you were doing like a trick yeah. shot in your living room. No, no. I mean, it, the thing is, is I, I don't think he needs to be amazing in this game. They have enough weaponry. You know, Stewart is a favorite of ours. We They're love using, him. Uh, is it Aeneas Smith? Aeneas Smith is, is that the little playing? guy? They, yep. they are using him a lot. He is, he's good. He, he was their number one wide receiver two years ago before uh, Stewart. Hey, but he's been hurt. He had been hurt, but now he's back this year and he's kind of working, ramping up. So he's playing well. And Noah Thomas is their hybrid tight end. He's looking good. Moosin Muhammad hasn't done anything yet, which is, which is crazy to me because of how good he was last year. It seemed like Stewart and him were just trading off uh, touchdown performances each week, you know, 100 yards and a touchdown every week last year. Yeah, they've buried him. Yep, and they've started getting comfortable with their run game. Their run game against a and, uh, against Miami wasn't very good. It hadn't established itself. They didn't know who the playmakers were going to be. They've really condensed that role down. Alabama just hasn't looked impressive. I'd take A&M. Why not? You know, let's I, live a little. I felt exactly that way. And where I ended up was, man, I see it now. A&M's up by like, Four going into the fourth. It's third and six for AM. They're at like Bama's 40. And he delivers this awful ball 
pick. It's back. Bama takes the lead in all four. I mean, literally, I was watching the Arkansas game against AM last week, or AM Arkansas game last week, and they came out of half, and I was sitting there going, man, AM is good. They're good. They're going to steamroll. They're getting the ball here. They're going to go right down the field again. And literally, the first throw was like a screen, and he hit the Arkansas linebacker or a corner that came crashing down, like square in the numbers, and dude just walked it into the end zone. And I was like, oh, Max is still Max. He's just going to do that. Okay. That's that's just how that's going to go. So I, I was just so I, impressed. I'm with you, man. Every step did. of the way, I'm just waiting on one step to ruin it. Yeah. I, I was so impressed with what they did to KJ Jefferson and and Raheem Sanders last week. Like, very well, impressed. Tackle, apparently. Yeah. I, I was shocked. I mean, you know, KJ. KJ's good for KJ's once or he's, once he's or twice too. a year, he'll put up like 300 yards passing and 100 rushing. I don't know how. And he's done he, it against AM a, a few times. Yeah, so I, I was I was intrigued, but they they played well. Yeah. Uh, next game, Kentucky plus 14 and a half at number one, Georgia. I alluded to this earlier. I personally think Kentucky's la- win last week was a bit of a fluke. I think Florida's just terrible. Um, so I'm not putting a ton of stock in this, but uh, I, I feel like this is where I end up flipping my cards in on the he can't keep getting away with, it, with this. And Georgia, Georgia's immensely slow starts every single week they come out and they look like garbage every first quarter um i don't think kentucky's the team that's going to really run away from them but i do feel like kentucky's the type of team to just make it a a dog fight if you just keep giving them the leash to do so um so i'll take the 14 and a half and just assume kentucky probably loses by 14 i think auburn might be one of the worst offenses in college football and they were right there with them the whole game Run was the proper word to use there because Ray Davis ran all over that Florida <laughs> defense and it was impressive. You know, yeah. Ray Davis is good out the backfield and Ray Davis can run and he's the uh, Vanderbilt transfer now playing at Kentucky. He is very, very good. Devin Leary's looked pretty good. They have three good wide receivers. It's a very talented offense. Now, Georgia's looked sluggish on offense. So you've kind of got bad versus bad or okay versus okay and good versus good and it's gonna be a fun one to watch i think 14 and a half is too much especially getting that hook i i like being over 14 yeah well one thing that was really interesting last week was auburn went to the quarterback designed runs um they, they it was it looked like a read option but wasn't they were pulling two guys left to right with the quarterback and Georgia didn't even try to account for it for like the first four times Auburn ran it. And Peyton and they were Thorne doing it isn't with Thorne. exactly a sprinter. Yeah, he's not yeah, a sprinter. They were doing it with Thorne. Like, I was and, like, and, oh, Ashford's loose again. Like, no, it was three out of the four were Thorne. And, and Thorne was running for like 60. And it was just like how – I'm not saying Leary's a, a sprinter, but neither, neither is Thorne. No. And, and no. I do think Kentucky's – defense is probably just as good as Auburn's is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if I, 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 I like I'm with you, I'm with, I think 14 and a half is a big number. This last game, I'm very interested in your thoughts on it's number 11, Notre Dame minus six and a half at number 25 Louisville. Um, wh- what do we make first and foremost of Sam Hartman in this Notre Dame offense as they um, seemingly can't put up points. 
they were missing the top two wide receivers last week, which is a little bit weary. But we said uh, the same thing the week before, right? Yeah, I mean, no, that was just Jaden Thomas. Then we we lost Jaden Thomas halfway through that game. Then great, great house is back this week. Thomas is back this week. Look, Hartman's been bad, not bad, but not great. Like the West, he's, well, yeah, he's not open. the ninth year senior you expected. Well, they, you know what it is, is I think maybe it's just Notre Dame's academic standards and they just don't get these athletes on the outside, like these freak out. Because when's the, since Will Fuller, and Will Fuller's got to be the last good wide receiver we've seen. Michael Floyd, maybe. Like, they're not really a wide receiver team. I don't think, like, they've never really a speed. No, he stinks. The Bears <laughs> have banished him. And just the Bears away. Are the worst they don't need him. DJ, DJ Moore is all they need, apparently. He got fired from his job, apparently. Yeah, he did. But yeah, so I, they just don't have these athletes there. Like Mayor, it's always been these tight ends, just catch the balls over the middle. Jamari Thrash is going to be the best wide receiver on the field in this game. Estime, probably the best running back, but Jawar Jordan's a freak. Like, he can bust one for 90. Estime doesn't have the explosiveness of Jordan. But estimates like Derrick Henry. He just wears yeah. you down over and over and over again. And I I kind of like that Notre Dame defense. I, when they have 11 guys, they're prone to stopping people. That's fair. I, I guess. So I like Louisville. They're at home. This is the second consecutive week for Notre Dame on the road. I think that's part of it. It is their, what, third straight week against a ranked team here um, in uh, what appears to be a dogfight. They went they went to the wire against Ohio State. They went to the wire against Duke. Now they go back on the road uh, against an undefeated Louisville team. I don't think they're the greatest thing in the world, but um, they're explosive for sure. I mean, it, all it takes is a sliver for Thrash or, or Jordan to be in the end zone before you know it. Um, I think this game can be really fun. And I'm willing to take six and a half and have Notre Dame blow it up in my face in the last play of the game again. I think the concern I have is Plummer. I know just like you have concern with Max Johnson, right? Max Johnson's going to yeah. throw that pick, that untimely pick. That's Plummer. But Plummer does it twice. But you, your hope is Plummer's kind of Jameis Winston-like where he's going to – in the NFL, where he's going to throw four <laughs> touchdowns, but he might throw three interceptions and two or touchdowns for the other team. You know, he's going to do that kind of thing. They've been trying to throw the ball and run the ball a little bit more, uh, try to get a little more balance. They really came in slow with Jordan, but I think this is kind of their time to shine. I just have always seen Notre Dame all my life just pull games out of their butt. And this seems like one of those ones where the spread's just low enough. Like if if we were at seven and a half, eight and a half, all right, I I might ride Louisville. But – Notre Dame, six and a half feels like I think Notre Dame can get that. Yeah, that's fair. And it, and you're right. It does. It certainly it certainly feels like the game where Notre Dame just played two close ones. And now they're playing the everyone starting to believe in us Louisville team, you know, the undefeated everyone's starting to believe in us team. And then they get humbled. And the grand scheme of the game means nothing for really, really means nothing for Louisville in, in the their chase for the ACC here. So uh, it's not like they need to kill themselves, go for it. But um, you know, if they're really interested in, in national title or ACC picture, I mean, you know, make a play here. Go win this game, and, and you've really got a shot because their schedule is so soft. So soft. I, I don't know what the ACC is doing. They're, they're heading quickly for like a uh, 
a multi-team shootout here. But uh, real quick through the picks, I've got Oklahoma plus six and a half, LSU minus six and a half, uh, Maryland plus 19 and a half, UCLA minus three and a half, FSU minus 24 and a half, Alabama minus two and a half, Kentucky plus 14 and a half, Louisville plus six and a half. Uh, we'll slide over to the DFS slates. We talked about this game a bunch, but I don't think we could talk about it enough, especially when we're talking DFS numbers. And I talked about it a whole lot of yards. He's Brady Cook, quarterback at Missouri. Yep, 7,400. You know, the, uh, I think the thing that stood out to me is how high-priced all the quarterbacks are this week. Um, typically, I try to give, all right, here's the two quarterbacks we're going to play in one lineup together. Here's the two running backs I'd like to play in one lineup together. Here's the two wide receivers we're going to play in a lineup together. And then you just fill out the rest. This week, because the high-priced options are so good and – Jaden Daniels is a great option. We should play Jaden Daniels. I will probably have Jaden Daniels in at least three out of four teams, I would say. He's a wonderful play. But because those options, we kind of know those guys, they're all good. I'm going to highlight two lower end guys that I think you need to pair with one of those guys. And and Cook fits the bill at that 7.4. And like we've been talking about, this is a shootout game. LSU's defense just got lit up by Jackson Dart, who we don't even think's good, for 389 and four touchdowns and 50 yards rushing and another touchdown. That's a monster game. I would love – hey, you give me that, Brady Cook. You give me half that. You give me (laughs) 302 with 25 and one. I am pumped. Like, that is a great score. So, and, and really right now, we haven't seen Cook's upside on the ground so far this year. His, his very modest rushing totals. I know he has three touchdowns, uh, one in, th- in e- uh, three different games. But he last year in the last three games, he had 106 yards rushing, 71 yards rushing, and 138 yards rushing. If he can start to tap into that and know a game like this, I think we could really unlock some ceiling out of him and get over 30 fantasy points out of him. Yeah, it's a, it just feels like a spot where you know the LSU offense will put up points. You know the LSU defense will give up points. It's not like a spot that they're not it, – it, it feels like kind of like Colorado-ish where you just know it's, it's never going to be over in this game. It's not like, hey, we're up by a bunch, it's done. You, you know, there's going to be points going up on the board. So there's opportunity throughout the game. Uh, even if Missouri go, were to go down a little bit, the window to get back in it is very wide open, the way LSU is playing defense this year. Um, I am surprised to see this, but uh, you have a Kansas quarterback here. Yeah, I don't. Uh, Jason Bean uh, Jason was announced Bean. actually today that he would likely start. Uh, I, when I wrote it up, Daniels hadn't practiced on Monday. He didn't do much in practice, uh, according to Lance Leipold. So I had projected Daniels to miss the game and then today it came out that it's expected that Bean's going to start we don't have good value I I, at one point I had considered putting Kyron Drones in here at 5500 because he was cheap and he runs the football he stinks and he they're all bad like all the low-priced quarterbacks stink I I thought about UF UCF's quarterbacks but I think Plumlee's probably going to end up playing this week so that makes me a little bit nervous because he can leave at any point in a game. So I'm I'm going to lean on Bean. I, I think it's interesting. You know, he didn't play great last week. We That's what you said. And you said, hey, if Daniels would have played, I thought Kansas could have stayed in that game. 
Bean didn't get any reps because of the idea that Daniels played uh, practiced all week with the ones. I'm sure they're expected him to play. So I'm thinking Bean got no run with the ones or minimal run with the ones, but he has a ton of experience previous years subbing in when Daniels misses and he's had some really good games. Some really good games over the last couple of years with 250, uh, four, yeah, I think he had 254 touchdowns multiple times last year passing. And he has sneaky rushing upside. He has a real good rushing floor. He had 50 yards rushing last week in the game. He just didn't throw the ball well. And that's against a good Texas defense. Now we think Gabriel will probably play a little bit better this week. But I'm thinking you can see 250 yards, two touchdowns, 50 yards, and a rushing, another rushing touchdown, which you could probably see closer to 100 yards, but it's kind of hard to predict that. And UCF has given up some really big performances to Baylor and Kansas State quarterbacks. He gave up 300 yards to Blake Shapin. Blake Shapin stinks. Yeah, I um, I won't be going to Beam personally. Uh, just because I know I'm going to pay up for this LSU game a lot, but I don't think it's a bad option at all. You know, like you mentioned, the the game environment's there, and, and uh, it's not like UCF has been anything amazing against some pretty, like you said, Shapin isn't exactly like he's he's Jordan Travis. So I'm just pointing out that Baylor scored 35 on, and they did it like in three quarters because they didn't do a damn thing in the first quarter. Yeah, they scored 35, and this game has a higher game total than the LSU game. It's actually the highest total on the slate. It's 64.5. The LSU game is 63.5. So my main cash lineup is going to be – I don't like putting all my eggs in one basket in cash. So my main cash lineup will be Jaden Daniels with Jason Bean. I also want to save the 700 because, as we discussed, that stack lineup, I'm, I, want, I have running backs I want to get to. So let's jump right into the running backs. See, yeah, there's the there's some good ones there, man. There's a lot. There's a lot, and there's a I, lot. Yep, and we're we're starting out with our our old friends. Man, the he North played Carolina so Tar-Hills. good last week. I love LaQuint Allen. He's a, I'm a fan. You know, I'm so happy they reduced his suspension, or they they were trying to kick him off the team for getting in a fight. And right, he's uh, back. <laughs> he ended up he ended up suing the university. Got back on the team. It was awesome. Like, shout out that guy. That's a big way to do it. Go, yeah. go, go for he, that. That's that's in the era of the well, transfer I portal. In, I should probably look into why before I say go go. Look it was a little. It was it was a little. It was a. I think it was a fight. I'm pretty sure it was a fight. But you know, okay. Things, well, you can happen. have it real quick while I look this up. It, I'm pretty certain it wasn't anything more nefarious than talk about him as a football player. <laughs> yeah, let's go. With it. So he he's facing North Carolina. North Carolina has gotten blown up on the ground this year every starting running back to face North Carolina this season has scored a touchdown and two of them have gone over 130 yards rushing on the seat uh in the game uh namely backup running back for Minnesota Darius Taylor who put up a very nice number Allen is gonna see work both in the pass game and the run game similar to Sean Tucker last year where he's going to catch you know, he could catch four to six passes which is a big deal and he's going to get 15 to 16 carries so 20 touches in the game is very good and for the pricing he's my top play on the slate so then if we go into the high price tier I wanted to highlight him because I gave him so much stink earlier in the year for not being able to figure him out 
Braylon Allen of Wisconsin, he's 8,400. It's a tough pill to swallow. That's why I need some Jason Bean. I got to pay down somewhere. Uh, I need, I need to save while I can. Well, so I'm interested to see the Wisconsin back here, but this has a lot to do with Malusi. Yeah, this is all about Ches Malusi. So the guy who was playing the 1B to his 1A is now out for the season. Do I think Jackson Acker will be that same role? I'm not sure. I was going to end up playing some Jackson Acker, and that's actually where I was going to end up telling you to go in that lineup that we were trying to double that game stack. I was going to go with Jackson <laughs> we'll get Acker. get there in a second. But I... I was willing to take that shot until Tez Walker came available. And then it was like, oh, okay, we're jumping in on Tez. Like uh, I, I'm willing to take that shot there because I can play him with LaQuint Allen and I get a little bit of a game theory in that game. So that if that, cause that game could shoot out too. Syracuse, North Carolina easily could shoot out. I'll probably have a little Garrett Schrader exposure while I'm at it. Cause they're so bad against the run. Schrader could run for 190 himself. Uh, big news at the running say, back position. It- yeah, so big Go news ahead. at the running back position. Trevor Etienne of Florida is questionable with an upper body injury. I've heard that they don't think he'll play. Now, that's going to be 50-50. I'm sure it'll go down to game time. If he misses this game, Montreal Johnson is right up there with LaQuint Allen. Same price. He's right up there as far as a play because they're getting Vanderbilt. and Vanderbilt is terrible against the run. That that under construction, man. Give him a break. I know. Yeah, everything. (laughs) It's a work in progress. It's a work in progress. Their that backfield is a 50-50 split every week. 15 carries for Johnson, 15 carries for Etienne. And one of them pops off usually, but you never know who. So if we get a situation where we get just Johnson, this is very similar to Penn State, right? If Singleton or Catron Allen is out, the other one is a smash automatic play. He's way too cheap at that point. If we get over 20 carries for Montreal Johnson in this situation, he's a smash play if they get a 75-25. Oh, it's an unreal play. Like, he would overtake – like, I would say, okay, price adjusted. Braylon Allen, you're out. I'm going straight to Montreal Johnson and LaQuint Allen as two staples in my team. Yeah, and what time is this game? I should probably have it in front of me now that I said it. Let me just type it real quick. Vanderbilt. I believe that is a three o'clock, four three. Eastern. Yeah, it's a late. It's it's one of the last games on the slate. Yeah, so that but, that presents um, some interesting things. But I mean, we should have a general idea. Um, there is guys you could save some salary and you can move off of at that same in that similar window. Because I think Shipley's close enough that you could kind of leave a little salary. Uh, Iowa's running back. You could go there. That's They're terrible. I, they, I heard that they had a, a wing place, had a promotion that if Iowa didn't, every week Iowa didn't score 25 points, they would do 25-cent wings. That promotion ended two weeks in because they were losing so much money. Yeah, in case you're uh, you're not caught up, the 25 uh, points is the Brian Ferentz, the uh, nepotism hire offensive coordinator's official line to keep his job per his contract. They have to average 25 points a game. So um, if you needed a reason to love college football, all of the entire college football community watching your team and your nepotism hire offensive coordinator chase 25 points per game uh, is is pretty amazing. 
I can't tell when they have a zero. They have a zero against Penn State. So it's gonna be hard. They're gonna have to run. It's up very hard. You're gonna start averaging like thirty. Uh, I I can't say I'm surprised to see these two names listed under wide receiver because uh, it feels like the smash. And I I'm with you. I can't understand this number. I couldn't put just one of them because the price was too too cheap. The first thing I did, first look, I looked at the slate. I went in and I thought that you weren't going to be able to do what you wanted to do, which was play both sides of this game. Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, the both wide receivers for LSU. That one six uh, Neighbors is sixty five hundred. He's the one A. Thomas sixty one hundred. One B. It changes every week as to which one's better. Neighbors going to see more targets. Thomas has more touchdowns. It's very similar. I expected them to be 7,500 and 7,100, in which case we couldn't double stack them and bring them back with Luther Burden at 6,900 because he's a stud. And we've already established that earlier this year, but he can, he's getting 40% of the team's passes to go to Luther Burden because I, realistically what I heard was is if he didn't get enough run, he was going to transfer at the end of this year and go to a top program. <laughs> so Missouri's like, oh, heck no. You get all our feed NIL him. money. We're going to feed you 40% of the passes, and we're just going to see what you can do, buddy. And he's been going off. So that you got that. Well, now let me run it back, and I'm going to get Neighbors and Thomas, and I'm going to have one in every lineup, no matter what. And most of them are going to be – I think all my lineups will probably have Jaden Daniels. I might move off on one, but I don't think I will. And the defense is so terrible that these guys are going to have to put up a ton of points, and they've combined for almost 60% of the team's catches, and the total is 63.5. So similar to why – I'm targeting high totals in close games. These are close games. So – I wanted that uh, pieces of that UCF game. I'm going to get that exposure through Bean, or I can go to uh, Devin Neal at running back. But yeah, those are those are those are shootouts, and I, I want pieces. Yeah, the uh, the interesting part in this game too. LSU today announced um, uh, Aaron Anderson, who's kind of their um, I don't want to call him scat receiver, if that's a thing. He's kind of the limited play get him in space kind of guy. He's out again. He missed the Ole Miss game. Um, and then Chris Hilton, who is a college sprinter, who was great in um, uh, as a freshman, as a receiver. He is a true freshman this year. They used him on the first play against Ole Miss last week for a huge play, and uh, he dropped it, on which would have been like a 70-yard touchdown catch. Uh, he is also out. So the other name I would just load out there is Kieran Lacey. Who, who runs as this team's normal third receiver in the mix there. I, I don't even know what his price is because I haven't looked since that news has come out today. Um, but I, they don't really have a fourth receiver unless you count Mason Taylor at tight end. It, it's going to pretty much be those three guys plus Mason Taylor at tight end is the only real options there. So um, you're going to see neighbors and Thomas on the field a ton. And not like they were not there already a ton, but there's no depth here. It's it's going to be the two of them out there. Every two receiver set they can get. One of them yeah. will be out there every time. And realistically, if Daniels throws for 300 yards, they're probably combining for 200. Probably, yeah. 200 would probably be, I would say, a bare minimum. I, I would I would expect each of them to clear it 100 pretty easily. Um, your last guy, you got to have your salary saver. And 
Um, there weren't many, but you found one, and him and, I guess, Tez Walker as well. Yeah, so we're, we're not going to put Tez Walker in the article. We're going to leave that as a pod play only. Uh, Tez, I'm willing Ooh, to play. podcast exclusive. Yeah, podcast exclusive. we gotta, we got to leave something just for here. So, Tez, I, I'm going to have exposure. It's it's probably going to be 50% Tez in half the lineups, and I'll probably go 50% Carlos Hernandez from Washington State. Carlos Hernandez was my original play until Tez got freed today. And then I was super excited. So there's not a very good value this week anywhere. Like I was reaching to try to get to Jackson Acker to be even be a thing. Uh, might play him a little bit too, but Hernandez really was the best guy. Um, we talked about we needed injuries last week. Lincoln Victor, we talked about being hurt. He's out. So we know Victor's out. That opened up the slot role that he was playing. Carlos Hernandez is a freshman. He stepped into that role and played 93% of the snaps last week. Now, he hasn't scored a touchdown. He hasn't topped 60 yards receiving. But 3,900, he had seven catches on eight targets. It was only 39 yards, but seven catches looked good. And I'm kind of hoping for like a Mario Kart banana peel situation where he catches a short one. A guy slips on a, on a peel and <laughs> we're off to the races. You know, I'm really hoping that's kind of, I mean, if I could get a guy in the stadium with one of those shells and we can take a guy out and a spin him out. A little blue shell that just comes flying in and just hits the cornerback on him. Hey, I would love it. You know, that that might be the way we need it. But realistically, that's that's what you need in that situation. We're not going to be able to find a $4,800 guy like Tyler Brown last week where he's getting 9, 10, 12 targets. This is a high-volume offense in a high-scoring game as well. So theme here, target the high-scoring games. Don't go to the Iowa game. Iowa's <laughs> slow-paced. It's going to score 20 points. They're favored. They're projected to score 20 points. Don't go to those games. Just go to the high games. Go to the high totals and have fun. All right. So I did look a quick update on the LSU receivers. Um, Kieran Lacey's too expensive. He's 5,200. He oh, had no. two receptions last week. I-, I thought he'd maybe be in the low fours, maybe. Um, way way too high at, at 5,200. I would, I would stay away from that. I do have some interest in a Mason Taylor. At 4,500, they do like him around the goal line. He's yet to score yet. He had some injury. He had six for 51 a week ago, and he's 11 there. 4,500 is a, a, a fine price for if he adds a touchdown to that. That's almost 20 points out of a guy at 4,500. Um, so I am trying to see. Let me pull up real quick. I'm going to save this lineup real quick and pull up what I had already thrown together oh i already know what you had bud i can say okay it. yeah you already said it go ahead you got Jaden daniels paired absolutely. up absolutely well i'm gonna leave the running backs to the end Jaden daniels because <laughs> i gotta leave both receivers more. absolutely yep. Jaden daniels with and both, both wide receivers. receivers luther burden bringing it back we're gonna have old carlos in the flex or no you got tez walker in the flex don't you i do yeah yep. yeah you got tez walker in the flex running it back uh brady cook as well so that way you've yep. got both quarterbacks from that game, both wide receivers from LSU, Luther Burden at wide receiver, and Tez Walker, because we're excited for Tez to get out there and play. And I think they could go with a big old FU to uh to the old NCAA and just feed and just Tez. Yeah, feed just him. feed him. Because this is a feed game him. they could feed him. 
and then just start that way they could get him going. He's been practicing with the team the entire offseason and the entire regular season and Mac Brown yeah. and they had senators and congressmen going to the NCAA petition in for him to play. It was weird. I never Well, you got you got to do far. that to get your get your hey guys, I care about my heels, you know, you pull hey, some votes and I appreciate everything I mean, everything a, is pandering in Washington, baby. It's one of those weird situations <laughs> though because there's so many teams in North Carolina that that's that's interesting that that's you know, that create links. But and then at running back, you got LaQuint Allen, right, to go with Tez. That way, you, I think you got LaQuint, and then that way they pair up. Yep. Yep. And then you ended off with your favorite player that every week you text me and tell me you're playing him, and I can't believe that I text you every him. week when he scores that touchdown too. Yep. Phil Maffa. Sure do. Let me let me throw this ridiculous. That's one idea bad Maffa. Yeah. Look, let me throw this ridiculous idea at you. So let's say I go with this Cook, Jaden, both LSU receivers. I'm more prone to get off a of burden, and I, well, I want to play more Cook. expensive. I'm willing, and I yeah, and there's a there's a decent like that 5K range is really nice for the wide receivers this week. So like like Tyler Brown, if Antonio Williams is out again run it back he's 5300 i want to say i'll run it back like i got no problem against wake forest i don't think wake forest is very good club nick's starting to get it going i um i i want to i want to also put taylor in there Um, i can't but that's tripling up man you're like that's stupid if you wanted to you can come off of a thomas or off of a neighbors i would prefer to come off a neighbors I probably would too, but the touchdowns, like, I feel like Neighbors has the higher ceiling. Thomas has the higher floor because Thomas is more likely to score. But Neighbors can go off for that, like, 200-yard, four-touchdown game. He can break it, break a slate. So, you know, it, that's where it's interesting. I would be more okay. apt to come off of Neighbors probably and stick with, and then that way, what do you get, 2K that way? So I have a no neighbor. So it's Daniels with Mason Taylor, the tight end, and Brian Thomas. I have mm-hmm. Cook in the super flex with Burton. I have Tez Walker in the flex spot. That'll I have my up, running bro. my running backs. I've got, um, I don't have the exact number up here, but I have 200 left with Devin Neal and Trey Benson. Oh, I I get it. I understand that. I can. Well, the other that. options I can afford there are Brooks and Hemby. I like. I I think Brooks is interesting. Brooks gets a ton of work. I I almost. I'm looking at Trey Baxter. Trey Benson versus the 228th ranked offensive rushing defense. I know. I would play. <laughs> I would I just, play Benson. Uh, I'd play uh, Benson there. I agree. Uh, I could move Neal to Shipley and McClellan. I I could move around there. Um, I wouldn't, but I don't, I wouldn't I don't go hate there. that. I would play Neil over those two. I like Benson though. I want. What if you put in? Can you put in Braylon? What happens if you put Braylon? No, you know what you should do. Realistically, what you should, what I would probably do is come off of Benson, stay on Neil. I'm gonna go up from Tez to Carlos, and then I'll put in uh, LaQuint Allen. Or Montreal Johnson, right? But it would be LaQuint Allen out the gate, unless I got word. And then that's going to fit. 
right? Does that fit? No. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. You come off of yeah. Benson, go down to uh, LaQuint Allen, and then go from Tez up to Carlos. But that's just a yeah, variation, that right? This is how I – dude, this is the problem. This is how I end up entering 12 lineups in one contest because I sit here and yeah, I go, oh, I'm going to change this. Oh, I'm going to change this. And then I just do like one tinker off of everything. Now, if you get it right like we have been for the last few weeks, it's fun because then you've got all these teams that have really high baselines and they're just barely different and they're like two to three points different all the way through and that's how you end up cashing a bunch of stuff. Is anyone – A lot of money. So there's one I've got here where I end up in the um, I, I'm in the 5300. I've got 5300 and 4800 of the two guys in there. So I've got 10, 10 one, uh, and that's with both LSU receivers, Daniels, Drake May, Ooh. with Walker. Ooh, um, it's a lot. I end up around 10,100. Is there a world where there is a cheaper running back, maybe a Johnny Richardson, that could interest you if we then turned around and maybe ran it back with a uh, 5,300 receiver? You know who you do? Oh, no. You're saying, I, you're saying you have a flex and... I have a flex spot. So is that where I go to Washington State and I, and I grab me this... Uh, Carlos at 3,900? I grab Carlos at 3,900 and that gives me 62 coming back. I yeah, have money, if I'm going to Harvey then. No, I would. I know. Uh, maybe. I mean, I would want to run it back with with like an Allen there. I, I'm I'm so locked on LaQuint Allen. Did you you have Allen in right then? Uh, now I do. I don't. Yeah. I didn't have him in. I had I had Johnson in then. No, I got to lock him in. Like he's he's just locked in for me. I now well, if LaQuint Allen I, is a lock in. That's well, that's a run back there. Yeah, I know. That's what it's correlated play. Okay. No, I, I love LaQuint Allen this week. Just really, really, really love him. And then if the if the Montreal uh, oh I'm play comes play through, oh if, I'm, if oh, that comes if, through, if then ends out, then I'm playing both. I'm playing both. Those are my two running backs right there, guaranteed. Jaden Daniels. I'll play with play Bean, and then I'm gonna fill in one LSU wide receiver. Uh, probably Carlos, and then I'll see what I have left for the last two spots. And that's probably going to be my my cash lineup. Difference between cash and tournament. Tournament, you need upside. That's where Tez comes in. Cash, I, I know I'm going to get a ton of targets out of Carlos. I'm not going to – I don't know what I'm going to get out of Tez. So see, I'm that's where sit. I pretty much play – I mostly play just tournaments, and I'm trying to just cash big and, and win things, and, and that's where I just decide, you know what, I'll take a zero or I'll take a 40. Let's just go for it, and then that's what ends up catching me a lot. Technically speaking, um, bankroll-wise, you should play both. You should play more cash than tournament. Tournament should be 10% of your play each week. Cash should be 90%. Hmm. That sounds less than fun because then when I, when I absolutely smash in the cash lineup, then I'm pissed. Uh, the run through your numbers, it's Brady Cook, 7,400, though you do love Malik Neighbors, uh, and Jason Bean at 6,700 if you're looking for guys to run with Neighbors. Uh, LaQuint Allen, you've called a smash this week. He's your guy, 5,800 at Syracuse. You're not saying he is the uh, the, the no lock button of the week this week, but uh, no, no, we, you like him a lot. Uh, Braylon Allen, 8,400 at Wisconsin, though you are willing to come off of him down to a Montreal Johnson, if Trevor Etienne does not play in the Florida game, so watch for news on that. 
Um, you can lock them in and then adjust if you'd like, or you can, um, I guess, try and find something to wait until day of and see if you want to adjust then, but keep an eye out for that. Uh, at receiver, both LSU guys, Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas, 6,500 and 6,100 respectively. And also game stacking with Luther Burden from Missouri, getting that 40% target share, 6,900. And then Carlos Hernandez, the cheap option, 3,900. And podcast exclusive, Tez Walker, three grand, the true minimum. Get him in there. Go weird. Let's get weird, right? Got to. Hey, you win tournaments, you got to get weird. Got to get yeah. weird to win tournaments. Only us degenerates will play Tez Walker his first week back. And that's all we want. That's what we've been dreaming of this whole time. We're the only ones who were complaining and waiting for him to get back, us and North Carolina fans. So you might as well use them. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. I know it was a kind of a longer one here. Uh, uh, just a lot of games are getting more interesting. We get later in the year and um, a lot to dissect. Hopefully that, that we can start separating the good ones from the bad ones and, and really hone in on the important games going forward. But obviously it's October, a lot of stakes kind of everywhere for everybody. So uh, appreciate you listening. Appreciate those of you new guys who are jumping in and get, getting in here and, and listening ladies too, of course. Um, but uh, we're having fun doing it, man. It's a lot of fun and I appreciate and hope you guys are, enjoying the listen as well. So for Brian and Chris, see you next week.